everyone. Thank you again for listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. I'm your host, Chris Starr. And on today's episode, we're going to go into another Nuisance Wildlife Wednesday. And this one is all about pigeons. <laughs> the invasive, at least in North America and Europe, technically, rock dove. The common pigeon as you guys know it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So again, just to touch on it real quick, I am getting a coupon code for the Wildlife Command Center coffee here shortly. I will announce that when it comes. I'm pretty excited about it, mostly because it's freaking delicious and I want to share it with you, get that discount for you guys so you can taste it as well. It's way better than Starbucks and Dutch Bros and any other kinds that you guys like. I stand behind that. <laughs> 100%. I love that stuff. So again, thank you for listening. If you could, please leave us an awesome review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening or Google or Amazon. If you're on Spotify, leave us a five-star rating, please. That would be sweet. Love you guys. Alrighty. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Chris Starr back again with a very late... Not really late. It's been a while since we've done Nuisance Wildlife Wednesday because, you know, we touched on the holidays and we touched on the new year. We had our goals series and what will you do in 2022, getting all that squared away and prepped for this new year. So back to the regularly scheduled programming. And on this Wednesday, it's going to be all about pigeons, rock doves. You know what they are. But maybe what you didn't know is that they are not native to North America or Europe. They are originally an African species. They were brought across the border for trade, specifically regards to food. They were usually or originally used for eating. Everybody knows now, squab, right? It's a delicacy, I guess. I've never had a young pigeon myself. I've had old pigeon, <laughs> adult pigeon, not technically a squab. Squab is specifically a nickname for pigeons and doves, their offspring. You know how dogs have puppies, cats have kittens, raccoons and foxes have kits. Pigeons and doves have squabs. And they are pretty darn delicious. You know, I've had dove on quite a few occasions, and it is terrific. Now, could you imagine if that same dove, if you happen to have eaten it, was even more tender? That's where squab comes in. And I got to be honest, you know, a little tangent, I prefer quail to dove. There was a day in Nevada where both the seasons were open and me and a few friends went out and shot a whole slew of doves and quail and we cooked them all up that night and it was fantastic. And I actually preferred the quail to the pigeon, <laughs> excuse me, the dove, but that's neither here nor there. So they were originally brought into Europe and used for food production for squab. And then they were actually bred up in size, right? Just like we do with chickens and quail and stuff like that domestically to have more meat, you know? And so the now invasive rock dove, I'll just call them pigeons from now on. The pigeon is a, not a lot. It's a decent amount larger than they were originally in their native range of Northern Africa. They originally came from like the Morocco region. All of those, the cliffy, rocky, outcroppy, canyony areas of the Northern coasts 
and ranges, mountain ranges of Africa. And so, just so you guys know a little little tech tip, not technology at all, but a little wildlife tip, we actually do have a native pigeon that is still alive in North America that is closely related to the passenger pigeon and the morning dove than it is to the rock dove, excuse me, you know, the invasive pigeon. And it's called the band-tailed pigeon. And they are pretty much strictly a mountainous species living in the whole of the range of the Rockies and the Sierras on the West Coast. And they are actually huntable. You know, they have a season in certain states. And I have harvested a few. Didn't eat them because I was just like over the moon. And so I have them frozen and we'll probably have them mounted someday. But they're pretty awesome. Matter of fact, on my elk hunt this year in Colorado, when a swarm of pigeons swooped around me, I'm like, what in tarnation? You know, I was so high up. I'm like, there's no way these are, you know, domesticated invasive pigeons. These have to be bantails. And sure enough, they were, you know, at like 11,000 feet in the middle of the woods. There's no way, you know, that's just not the invasive pigeons' habitat. They much prefer skyscrapers <laughs> in inner cities to the dangerous mountainous areas where goshawks and peregrine falcons are. Those are unsafe for pigeons that are not used to perching on trees for the most part. So they were brought over to Europe and eventually the States for food production. And then they just went feral. You know, some got out, they started breeding and sure enough, they exploded. If you are in any kind of major city in North America or in the middle of nowhere, they're everywhere. And you know, I'll have another episode on the also invasive non-native collar dove, right? The ring neck dove is another name for them. And I'm pretty sure originally they were also called turtle doves, you know, from that uh, old Christmas song. That was them. I mean, that could have been a wood pigeon. That's a European species of native pigeon, but probably not because they have more of a cooey dove sound to them than a pigeon, although they are substantially larger than our native morning dove. They are smaller than the invasive pigeon. But this is about pigeons, not doves. So you guys see them all over the place. They are just in every nook and cranny of a house, skyscrapers, inner cities, outskirts of rural farm areas. You see them, you got them. All the towns have them. So one of the major issues that people can come into contact with as far as how they are a nuisance is their fecal matter. Oh man. So since they originate in such an arid, rocky environment, their droppings and the accumulation of their droppings was never like an issue to them personally as far as like damaging themselves. So they do not care where they drop their droppings. Uh, I say that because a lot of birds in their nesting areas will... So if we're talking nestlings, right? The young, the offspring they will launch their droppings over the side of the nest. Hawks even more so. They freaking jettison those suckers so that they don't leave droppings in the nesting area so that it doesn't attract like parasites or a disease or illnesses. But pigeons originating from such an arid environment, it was not an issue because when they did 
defecate, it would just dry up and crust over immediately and just be completely dry and not cause any issues. So all of that said, they just drop their fecal, fecal, <laughs> fecal matter anywhere and everywhere. Another one of the things that causes them to be such a nuisance is they will live in very close proximity to each other, as well as them being cavity dwellers. And what that means, you know, if you've listened to a few episodes, I've explained that they get into crevices, holes, gaps, any kind of place that they feel safe. So that the cliffy areas, they would get into the deep crevices of the cliff to nest. So their droppings build up like crazy and that stuff can be dangerous. One of the big ones that is also present with buildup of bat fecal matter is histoplasmosis spores. That is a fungal infection, basically. The spores can germinate and that fungus can build up in decent amounts of pigeon fecal matter and all bird fecal matter, to be honest, if left unchecked and unremoved. And that can be, you know, if you go in there and you break it open and those spores are not really aerosol, but, you know, you break it open, they turn into a powder and a dust and that gets inhaled. That stuff can grow in your lungs and mess you up for the rest of your life. You know, kind of similar to what some people are experiencing from the first generation, what was it, <laughs> the original strain of COVID, like permanent lung scarring, you know, and we're not going to know how bad that is with time because it's so fresh and new in the generation. But histoplasmosis is old. And, and you know, I've even known of some falconers who had to get out of the game because they were like breeding, let's say, birds of prey or even just their own pigeons or quail. And they had histoplasmosis and they had to beat it. And even so, beating it left their lungs scarred forever and they can't come into contact with it again, you know, because if it comes around the second time, it could be way worse. It's already reduced their lung capacity and function as it is. They can't do it a second time. And so, when I get into breeding uh, birds of prey down the line myself, I could not imagine, you know, having to get out of it. I miss it as it is. I've bred a few Harris hawks in my day. In my <laughs> Very few, but I did it successfully and it was really, really rewarding and I can't wait to do it again as well as snakes, but we're talking about pigeons here. So the main issue that people come into contact with is either small scale or large scale, like let's say getting into an open attic space, an open roof to soffit junction, just like squirrels and raccoons will, pigeons will exploit that also. They get in, you know, it's not a big deal at first because they're just like, coo, coo, you know, they're doing the little pigeon sounds until a year, two years down the line. They're just like, we got to get rid of them. It's just super annoying. And then they call us to come out and I go up in their attic space and it is just a nightmare coated with droppings everywhere. And you know, I'm a bit of a risk taker, you know what I mean? A lot of addicts, Sometimes I just, you know, breathe through the nose. No big deal. The, <laughs> your nose is designed to help filter out a bunch of that crud and crap. Got a lot of nose hairs up there, so it's built for filtration. <laughs> I basically have a built-in HEPA filter inside of my nostrils. Let's just put it that way. But if there's pigeons involved, I'm wearing not an N95. What is it? It is a, it's a full-face respirator, basically. I don't take no chances. We've actually had 
people within our company who have got histoplasmosis because they did take those chances. And that was with bats, actually, not pigeons. A huge, crazy, gigantic bat job in a church. And that did not go well for them. They have that permanent scarring. Gets a little better with time. And they were lucky that they were young when they got it, so their body can fight it off pretty readily. But it's not worth taking the chance. Another issue that we deal with, at least a lot out here in the West, because we get a lot of days of sunshine. So a lot of people have solar panels. Pigeons love solar panels. So one of the benefits for pigeons of being from that originally arid and hot region is that they can take the crazy high temperatures of living up on a roof underneath solar panels for most of the year. Maybe not so much through the hottest, hot parts of summer, but it's mostly the offspring. They have an amazing ability to cool themselves. So let's, let's say like New York City, because you know people think pigeons, New York, blah, blah, blah. They don't breed when it's cold, right? So when it's hot, pigeons for the first however many weeks of their life have very little feathers covering them. So they have an amazing ability to keep their bodies cool as well, you know, through panting. You know, so we have mammals, we have our type of lung system. We got two lungs and that's it. Birds have multiple, multiple lungs and air sacs that are actually spread throughout their thoracic cavity. So they have a much greater ability to cool themselves. And when you're basically a little naked baby pigeon, you don't have a shirt on, you know what I mean? So you're just chilling, shirtless, it's hot pigeon summer. You don't give a crap about nothing. You're just cooling. As well as the male and female both taking turns coming back to the nest to feed their usually two at a time offspring many, many, many times a day. And so with their, you know, they feed like parrots and most birds do, you know, the regurgitation into their, right into their mouth. A lot of liquids come with that. And so they're just constantly getting that new hydration that they need to keep their bodies cool. So all that said, they adapted incredibly to living in the West underneath solar panel arrays on people's roofs. So it's just, it's an epidemic. <laughs> it's a pigeon pandemic. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to title this one. <laughs> pigeon pandemic, because that's such a... <laughs> It's a great buzzword right now, right? Oh, goodness. So with that said, with solar panels, you know, I don't have to wear, like if I'm inspecting them, don't need to wear a mask while doing those because I'm all outside. There's wind. The fecal matter is exposed to the elements. So the risk is much decreased. But when going into attic spaces, I do rock that full face respirator. Don't need to take no cons and no chances. So let's talk about the solar panel thing with solar panels, you know, first what I will do is get up there and take a look underneath them and see how much fecal matter buildup and nesting material that I would need to remove. Kind of get a gauge on how many pairs we're dealing with. Another one of the amazing pieces of adaptability that they have is they can churn out a new pair of offspring every 30 days during a proper nesting season. So, you know, if it's six months, that's six pairs of offspring. That's 12 more pigeons that are being added to the ecosystem. Think about that. One pair, 
Now, not all of those are going to survive. You know, might get too hot and they die or a raccoon might sneak in and, and jack those babies or they get picked off by a hawk or a falcon. But they have the potential to crank those out. And in some areas, seaboard climates like um, LA and like San Francisco and places that never get so, so unbearably hot like true desert areas. So Vegas, for instance, crazy amounts of pigeons. Their nesting season is flipped from most areas that get a cold winter. Vegas gets a bearable winter and they will breed through that winter and they actually take the summer off because it's, you know, ungodly hot in Vegas in the summer and and Phoenix and like other markets like that. And they'll actually breed all throughout the winter. So those hottest months, June, July, August, they'll take off from breeding and they can just keep breeding all winter. So it is crazy. Now, it's nice for us because they are... Talk about a recurring revenue stream. Gotta love pigeons. And uh, most of the time just depends on like residential areas. It's not conducive to trap. It's more conducive to just exclude because we're not dealing with a huge population. And once you take away those roosting sites, whether it be beneath solar panels or you close off their way to get inside of the attic space, eventually, you know, after a couple of days or a week or so, they're just going to move on because they need that safe roosting area. They need to get inside of a cavity at night, basically to stay away from raccoons and owls. During the day, they can fly away from just about anything. Another amazing fact about pigeons is they can go 60 miles an hour in level flight. That's not like going down with the aid of gravity. In straight level flight, they can reach speeds of 60 miles an hour. It's absurd. Yeah. So in most instances, they have to be spooked. You know, they have to be surprised to get caught, right? So back to solar panels. I check underneath I see what needs to be removed and I quote for removal. And on the outside of those, we actually put, there is a specific type of exclusion wire. It's really nice. It's like coated in rubber. It's half by half inch wire. And I fasten that to the outsides of it all the way around. Nice little 90 degree angle so it's not sticking up above the panels. Looks great. Lasts for years. And I don't actually drill into the roof or the panels at all. I have these awesome little clips with fasteners on them. And there's a little J channel underneath all solar panels. And I just zip, zap, bloop, bloop, clip those suckers in. That thing will last for years. It's awesome. Love doing it. It's relatively easy for somebody who's roof savvy and ladder savvy to install. So if you have that sort of issue, or, you know, on the more, on the larger industrial or commercial side of things, Let's say you have pigeons on a big mall building or like a factory, like a refinery. We've done a lot of refinery work or even airports, you know, when there's a lot of places for them to hang out or roosting sites like inside of big shipping areas, then trapping is more of a necessity. We'll get some traps put in place. Or as a matter of fact, sometimes we can even bring hawks in. That's fun when they're all roosting inside at night, say it's a big shipping warehouse where a lot of trucks are coming in and out all day and there's humongous bay doors open all day, but at night they close them. Dude, there is nothing 
There is almost nothing as fun as getting out a couple of awesome night, well-trained Harris Hawks, Harris Hawks that are trained to a flashlight or a laser pointer, shutting those bay doors and just having a pigeon <laughs> massacre. <laughs> oh man, oh man. You know, people call them rats with wings and uh, they can carry some pretty nasty diseases as far as birds are concerned. But there are ways to mitigate that, freezing them, removing the gut content in the crop area. And when those are done properly and safely, pigeons are a great food source for birds of prey and even dogs. And like I touched on originally, people. So if you have a sort of a pigeon issue in your area, and let's say like Albuquerque, New Mexico, Reno, Nevada, or Sacramento, California, we do a ton of pigeon work there, bunches and bunches. And I mean, oddly enough, in our Pine Bluff, Arkansas location, we do a gang of pigeon work there too. It's crazy. And a matter of fact, I've worked on Dallas Love Field in Texas for pigeons as well. We do a ton of pigeon work. So if you have an issue with pigeons in one of those areas, or even St. Louis or Kansas City, Missouri, we have a whole wing of Wildlife Command Center called Avian Strike Force that is specifically dedicated to the removal and extirpation of these pigeons. Please give us a shout. Hit us up on our website. You know, Check us out on YouTube and comment there if you want to. Get in touch with us. We can get that pigeon issue resolved as well as the safe removal of their fecal matter and disinfecting of the area after it's removed and proper disposal of that. All right, guys, that was my Pigeon Nuisance Wildlife Wednesday, the pigeon pandemic. <laughs> All righty, I thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate you. Again, I'm having that coffee coupon code. It is coming. It's on the way. Awesome, man. I appreciate y'all. Have a great one. Thank you again for listening. God bless. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, aka Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus, download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.